Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Let's talk about Captain Marvel today. Our first film in a while. It's been such a long time, Paul. So many TV shows I've been subjected to over the last couple of months. Almost too much TV shows, one might say. It is a lot of content, isn't it, to digest. And Captain Marvel, I've been looking forward to talking to you about with you because it proved so controversial at the time. Because there was a woman? Yeah, you know how men are. They're like, oh, a woman, fetch me my vapours. It's <laughs> this, just... this bloody patriarchy. <laughs> Is yeah, that, is, exactly. Was that people's one criticism of it, was that there was a woman at the front, so it's too politically correct or something? Um, there was a few things going on. So like, they got annoyed because Brie Larson said that she wanted to diversify the press that were given access to the movie in advance, which I mm-hmm. thought was a nice considering. She was like, you know, it's been very like white male heavy, which is very true. Like when I go to screenings, it's mainly just older men and then like me. So you're just going to get the same, you're just going to get the same review over and over again, aren't you? Exactly. So she was trying to open it up and people took that very badly. And they were like, I don't want to be part of her agenda. So they didn't like the trailer because she doesn't really smile in it. And I thought that was a joke. um, No, that was that was legit. And then, yeah, she was like, I started paying attention to what my press days look like and the critics reviewing movies and noticed it appeared to be overwhelmingly white male. Moving forward, I decided to make sure my press days were more inclusive. And so like all those trolls hanging out under the Internet's proverbial bridge to Cambridge and they they got very upset about her agenda in air quotes mm. um they're like Marie doesn't want me watching this movie so why are we gonna watch it and then they flooded Rotten Tomatoes with negative reviews before it even came out really so yeah the, whatever the final percentage of Rotten Tomatoes is and we'll look at it when we do the quiz is that then not something to be trustworthy I don't know <laughs> anymore to be honest because they it led to them making a rule that you can't review films before before a film comes out so that led to a new rule in Rotten Tomatoes's world but I don't know if they undid the rule the reviews that came previously it is mm. lower than you'd expect they weren't fans about that and they they also just got very annoyed about um there was a deleted scene um mm-hmm. of her, like being told to smile and she basically uses her powers on this man it's like a biker dude, the one who she gets her coat and bike from. Mm. Um, she uses her powers on him because right. he says, like, give me, yes, give me a smile. And then she's like, what? No smile. And everyone was like, uh, yeah, feminism. This is this will not help their cause. The man's crime is just that he asked the woman to smile. Imagine if man treated women like this in our society. This scene is sexist and stupid. <laughs> And they just got real angry. And they're like, I've never seen a man act like this ever. I know women say they do, but they don't. Um, what were they so looking is- for then? What were they like? This is this is the first female-led MCU film, right? Yes. Um, so what were they looking for? Were they looking for like a sort of like a sweet natured, dainty little thing to come and sort of tiptoe out like and just kind of slap people and then I, and, but then have a have a ma- man to like team up with her and save her or something. What 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 were they? I don't understand what people are looking for here. They just had a lot of problems with it. They didn't. Then they came up with all these rumors. They they spread loads of rumors that the rest of the Avengers all hated her. And I was like, I don't think that they do. I think you've just come up with this based on nothing. They're like, she looks bitchy, which she doesn't. It's just she doesn't smile. They all want the time. they want they want smiley and demure and from yeah. their women, don't they? And and uh, if she's not smiley anymore, she has to at least be scantily clad. They they really took up position against her uniform. They're like, oh, it's so like PC because <laughs> a woman covered up, you know. But it, it looks that... like the other Avengers ones. If anything, Thor's the one with the scantily clad stuff on because he's got I... his arms out. <laughs> I know, yeah. So they just, she was never going to win, really. 
that audience it was a little bit like but not the same like the, the female ghostbusters reboot or anything like that it is kind of set up to fail before it even lands it doesn't matter if it's good or bad it doesn't get a fair shot and the ghostbusters one frustrates me the most because um like it wasn't the greatest film in the world but it was it was passively entertaining i would say but then people use that as an excuse to be like well women can't do it better like to sort of insidiously suggest that and i'm like well like there's so many male driven films that are also quite middle of the road they're not awful but they're not particularly good either so why exactly. can't anyone can make a middle of the road film that is that's exactly it and i think the pressure on on things like this this film example for it's like the first solo female outing for marvel mm. there's a lot of pressure to 100 percent rotten tomatoes like smash every every critic you know get everything perfect because otherwise people are like, oh, well, this is why we don't have women superheroes, because they're not that good. Like, it's a higher bar to me, isn't it? Mm, exactly, yeah. And um, I suppose that's what the film addresses, in that that Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, is constantly being told she has to prove herself. And then at the end, she's yeah. like, I don't have to prove myself. That's the whole point of the film, is that why are we asking women to prove that they can do things just as men? Why not just let them do it? Just I do love it. That was my favorite bit of the film, like those several words, like, I don't have to prove myself, or whatever it was she said she just to you. I don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that's exactly the perfect message. And I think it meant mm. a lot more to women watching than it did men, probably. Mm. Um, and it also gave little girls someone to dress up as. It's a big deal. Um, it's say, the same way that they um, uh, brought in Jodie Whittaker to be Doctor Who. It's like women watch Doctor Who, and now young girls have a... A, a heroine who's not a princess for once they have someone who's scientific or action or but good at the same time and and not and um yeah and not and also she's a heroine who doesn't have a kind of traumatizing uh backstory to motivate her which yeah. I find that female characters who are the hero often do something ha- they, they usually have to have been sexually assaulted basically, in order for them to be motivated. Uh, interestingly, they were going to have Jude Law's character and her kiss in this film, but they took it out because they didn't want it mm. to feel like such a in the workplace or have that element. So I thought that was that was good of them, really. I, I, I like that. I liked that there was no um, male love interest. Yeah, no, I agree. It was very much just about her. But again, stuff like this was picked up on as being like the, the machinations of the woke agenda mm. and people were like it was really forced and I was like at the time I thought it, I was I loved it I loved the movie when I watched it the first time so it was it I was liked nice. it too I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite ones in the MCU films but I liked it I think the way they address sexism was really good mm. I really liked that because I liked that it wasn't um, it wasn't like the Titanic style sexism where it's like women and machinery don't mix and that sort of thing. And like, what can we do, Rose? We're women. We're just mere women. Oh, like all that. It's not a about a bit more nuance, a bit more nuanced. Yeah. And it was quite timely because she is, although she is a woman, the the male, the sort of main male villain, Jude Law, he he does acknowledge that she is powerful. She is strong. She is good. But mm. the villainous comes from the fact he doesn't want her to be too good. He doesn't want her to like actually fully be real. Yeah, be better than him. Um, because her powers overshadow everyone's. But so he sort of constructs this lie that she can't control it. So she has to control it's all about controlling it and stuff. And then in the flashbacks you get to her childhood. I like how no one's been stopping her from like doing go-karting or climbing trees and all that stuff, but when she fails the dialogue is very like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Um, What a stupid thing for you to do, you know? And it made me think of, there's been research into um, when children are playing on climbing frames in a playground, the dialogue that adults have with boys when they go up climbing frames and the dialogue they have with girls is very, very different. Um, And they've shown that boys are more commonly given... um, uh, encouragement they're like you can do it yes yes climb up there go for it yeah, yeah, yeah whereas girls it's much more cautionary it's like oh be careful or maybe you shouldn't go that way or um you know just mm. make sure you put that as there's much more sort of protection even though they're just as capable of doing it um 
And if a boy falls down, it's like, come on, get on up, let's go. A girl falls down, it's like, oh, protect the child, oh, delicate thing. Um, and it sort of addresses that, that kind of side of sexism, which uh, I think is a bit more timely, I think. Yes, I agree. And I also liked that it wasn't another Origins movie in the sense that she already has her power. She's already a heroine intent on saving people. It's not like, oh, I have to, you know, like every other Marvel film pretty much is an origin. So they're like, oh, I've gained my powers. Now I have to work out, what am I going to do with my powers? It was sort of a twist on that, which was. Yes, nice. there's no kind of, um, uh, how do I learn to use the powers? She just, she just can. She just has them, which is quite fun. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's not one of my favorites, not because of anything like, to do with that. Like, I loved everything mm. it stood for. It's a very important part of the Marvel canon for that reason. But um, I found it a little bit complicated, <laughs> the plot-wise. It, was it complex. is complicated. Um, I understood it, but the first sort of half an hour, I, uh, you, you, it, it's, it's a bit, sometimes a bit incoherent. That whole bit when you're going through her memories, I'm not even yes. really sure where she is in that. And there's all these different voices coming through. It made it made sense by the end, but it was hard to get into it. It was, but I did love the soundtrack was banging, mm -hmm. um, and I liked that we had Nick Fury as a younger, more naive and vulnerable character because we always see him as like being like, "I'm the boss. I boss these superheroes about." So it was nice seeing that there's someone who came to him before that. He's like completely on the wrong foot. I loved having him in it younger um mm. I loved the relationship between him and Carol Danvers and I yeah. really enjoyed how you discover how he gets blinded in one eye I thought that was yes. hilarious how it's so many, so many times where you're like oh, the eye oh, the eye and then it's like no it's not what you're it literally just that that cat just <laughs> scratches him and he's like my eye's fine and it's obvious <laughs> it's so it's so like anticlimactic but brilliant I thought it was so funny it's funnier in context of knowing that he's built this mystery around how he lost his eye. I, yeah. I can't remember what movie, Captain America Winter Soldier, where he's like, the last time I trusted someone, I lost my eye. And you're like, oh, he's got this big mystery. Who took his eye? Um, and it's not even gone. He has an eye. It's just been scratched up, which is why he can't wear a fake one. It was a really good pairing, those two. He brought a lot of levity, like young Nick Fury brought a lot of levity to do it. And Which Samuel L. Jackson can do comedy like so well, I think, without being silly. He is just he can he gives gravitas, but he can be human at the same time. I think he's so good. Yeah, it was really, really nice to see. And I, I think it really builds up to why he she's the only person he trusted enough to mm. send out that call of the last film that we saw from him. That was one I thought was a really big strength for it was how it was it tied into the Avengers storyline, the Infinity War slash mm. Endgame storyline really, really well. And with that mid, that mid credit scene for me was probably the best mid credit scene ever. Although it was very simple, it was the one that really gears you up for the next one. Um, because, yeah. um, because you get a real sense that she is ultimate power. She is just power, 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 with ultimate control over her power. Um, there's nothing because all the other Avengers they have like um, like uh, Captain America is you know sometimes his emotions get the better of him. Um, Bruce Banner can't always get Hulk to manifest properly. Um, he, you know even Black Widow has a vulnerability. But the, right at the end of the film, I'm like, yeah, they need Captain Marvel right now. <laughs> They're really lucky she was not snapped. <laughs> uh, I mean, she could have been. They just didn't know until that point. And then she pops it. Do you know what's quite funny is I was reading about that mid-credit scene and apparently Brie Larson's script was completely redacted. She didn't know who she was talking to when she filmed it. She filmed it opposite no one and then they just digitally popped her in. So she had no idea what she was like walking into. Oh, really? Well, I guess then she, because she would have filmed that before Infinity War came out, I would assume. Yeah. She yeah. Been, yeah. So that makes sense, found... doesn't it? No spoilers. Yeah. That yeah, I enjoyed her being on Earth. I enjoyed like it being set in the nineties, the early nineties. Yeah. I thought that was that was quite a fun little thing. I liked the way they addressed sexism. I liked the relationship between her and Fury. I I think I was trying to work out why I I felt like it was quite a middling kind of MCU film, and I think it's because there isn't like um a big memorable set piece 
at any point in there. You know, with I was trying to I was trying not to compare it with the Avengers films because they're in a bit of a different league. Where I was trying to compare it with the other like origin story films, like the most recent ones being Spider Man and Black Panther and um, Doctor Strange, and they all have. Um, although they vary in quality, they've all got like an action sequence that you do remember or more than one. Like Black Panther has that whole scene in the club followed by the car chase and in the final battle as well. And then Spider-Man has like the bit on the Washington Monument and the bit with the two boats as well and that sort of thing. Whereas yeah. in this one, it didn't it didn't have any kind of image or set piece that made it, st- that stood out. Um, I actually, I only watched it a week ago. I was reading through some plot points and I was like, I actually had forgotten some of this. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's because they were trying to zag where they should be zigging. So obviously she doesn't want to have this big scrap with Jude Law at the end because the whole thing is that she doesn't want to play by his patriarchal rules. She wants to break free. And the, um, the, the scrolls are the good guys. And you're not expecting that as well. So mm. you, you have that like moment where you think there's going to be a big battle, but it's like, oh, they're just misunderstood other type of characters and so I'm hoping because there's a there's a new film coming out called Marvel the Marvels mm. that be a bit more fun and playfulness of it and they can do some big set pieces take it in a different direction I wonder I yeah. wondered if because it was the first female-led one they were deliberately trying not to be um not they were deliberately trying to do something that was relatively basic because all men have been able to just get away with basic. Yeah. It was going back to what we're talking about, how when um, someone who's not a white man takes the lead in something, the expectation is that it's going to be elevated, which is a bit unfair because you're setting that person up to fail. So I feel, I wonder if the filmmakers didn't want to pander too much towards that expectation. Just be like, look, we're just going to do a basic superhero film and it's a woman. Like we don't have to go crazy with it. We could do something quite like because the first MCU film, Iron Man, is a relatively generic film. It's got a good central character and it's got action pieces and a pretty basic plot with a villain and stuff. And I feel like they were trying to do that, but with a woman to be like, women can do this. I wonder if it's like at the point where it's come in the Marvel universe, it's come so late, it's like phase three. We were expecting mm. so many different things now we've kind of moved past the basic superhero movie so it probably does feel a bit like underwhelming in that sense that's that was the thing is i feel like they need they didn't need to elevate it uh, or anything i think they just needed to give it um just at least a couple of big action scenes that were very different to what we've seen before and it did feel sort of a bit more of the same um sometimes i think i just enjoyed this when i went to see it the first time i enjoyed it so much just because it was that what it stood for, what it represented. Mm. And I love the 90s and 90s action films. It paid homage to those quite well, like with her Mm. throwing the aviator jacket on top of her uniform and the Top Gun references. And I don't know, it just all felt very like nostalgic in an era that I actually remember (laughs) rather than being nostalgic for the 80s or somewhere where I I wasn't around really. Do you get freaked out sometimes by the fact that something set in the 90s is now a period piece? Yes, I do. <laughs> don't, don't you think you think of the we? I still sometimes have to remind myself the '90s was not the previous decade. It was not even the decade previous to the previous decade. It was the one before that one. I know, and like the music in it feels like it's fresh to me still. I'm like, oh, Gwen Stefani, love this song, and then I was like, but wait, it must have come out such a long time ago. It's it's but one major- of these um, uh, time bangers where so she's meant to have gone missing from Earth in 1989. And I'm like, 1989, that was the year I was born in. That was like only 30 odd years ago or something. And But if you go 32, 33, well, it's 33 years ago. 33 years before 1989 was 1956. That's the gap. Um, And that gap is the same. But that gap feels bigger because the 50s feel like ancient Rome. (laughs) I guess there was probably a lot of humor progress in terms of like tech and stuff between 50s and 90s but if you look at 90s to now what we call in this decade the 10s the 20s, 20s. the yeah, 20s the tw- yeah the 70s there's been even bigger leaps like look at this we're we're talking to each other via devices from very yeah. far away we can each other and record and all sorts it's like 10, it, 10 years it, ago when we were at university i could only access facebook on my laptop in my room because that was where the internet was 
we didn't have yeah. 3G on our phones until just after we left university in sort of 2010, 2011. Um, and even Asian. then it was relatively rudimentary. Losing our young, cool points now because you've told everyone how old we are. I don't care. I'm owning it. I'm owning it. <laughs> Rather than uh, draw attention to how old we are now, shall we start off with some plot? We start off in the Cree Empire. We've met the Cree before. I was a bit thrown by the fact that they weren't blue. Well, not all of them were blue. But then I was like, well, why would all of them be blue? Like, not all not all Earth people are the same colour. So, you know. It, it does throw you. So, yeah. It, it threw me a bit. I think it threw me a bit because you don't really see blue Cree until much later in the film. So I'm like, wait, are they are they Cree? I'm not sure. I was, I was, this is, I think this is where the confusion came in was that the, there wasn't like a, they needed some kind of familiarity. They needed more blue people around mixed in with the white people, I guess. <laughs> well, that's fine. We can talk to the Smurfs. We'll get them involved next time. <laughs> more, more Cree diversity, more Smurfs, yeah. Um, <laughs> and we're on the ca- their capital planet of Hala. Um, and one of the, the Cree, or allegedly a Cree, is a woman named Verz, played by Brie Larson. And she's a member of the Cree, like, military, I guess. Um, and her mentor is a man called Yon Rog, who's played by Jude Law. They froze people, the names, because she's not who you expect her to be. And also everyone's names are sort of like just sounds rather than names. <laughs> they are, but then they are, you, you when, so yeah, you they're all sounds, but when you see them written down, you see the connection between them and earth names and stuff. Um, yeah. Which is, is, is quite fun. Although I'm not, Yon Rog, I think they just pulled that out of thin air. Like that, that, that made no sense. <laughs> it sounded like um, a character in the Flintstones. Him in the trailer thought that he was going to be Marvel. They also, the Kree have something called the Supreme Intelligence, who I think is sort of some sort of advisor for them, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't feel like, I I got the impression they could go visit the Supreme Intelligence to get guidance, a bit like visiting, I don't know, a psychic (laughs) uh, or sort of, or an astrologer or a numerologist or something. Um, But the Supreme Intelligence appears in different guises, different people. Am I right in saying that? Yes, it's like the um, the holodeck in Star Trek. Gotcha. Right. Contextualise it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so she sees the supreme intelligence as uh, this uh, woman who she doesn't know who she is, but she's played by Annette Benning. Um, but she's also having strange dreams about this woman. And we're not quite sure who exactly she is. It is a bit, again, a bit confusing how... She's dreaming about this woman and then the Supreme Intelligence appears as this woman. And it took me a little while to work out the difference. I feel like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it just wasn't explained very well, this bit. It was, this is where it was also quite difficult to access in the first half hour. Yeah. The Kree are at war with another alien race called the Skrulls. Which um, sounds... They sound so like, it's because it sounds like Skull. It's like, uh, it sounds so dehumanizing, doesn't it? Like, I don't want to hang out with those guys. Not a scroll. Oh, they're probably like a skeleton. Um, the Kree hate the scrolls. They're like, yeah, scrolls, yeah. And um, the scrolls can also shapeshift. Verz and Yon Rog and a little band of Kree, um, they go on a mission to, they have to get some kind of like Kree spy back who has information or something along those lines. Doesn't really matter. They're going on a mission that involves scrolls. Um, but it turns out to be a trap and Verz is captured by the scrolls. Dun, dun, dun. She meets their commander, Talos, and the scrolls are looking through these various suppressed memories in her head. This is where it gets really confusing because I'm like, where are we here? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think, to be fair, if they just tidied up the first bit of the film, it would be much more popular, maybe. Because the memories are showing Verz on Earth um, and as a girl as well and growing up on earth but because you've already met her as a Cree you're you're kind of thrown a bit it does get tied up at least as it goes along so yeah it's fine they don't they don't make it too confusing by the end she eventually escapes from the scrolls and gets down to earth as and she's pursued by some scroll people who are disguised as surfers which I thought was quite fun um, that was fun and she meets a younger Nick Fury and a younger Coulson yay I, I think, know you that's the thing the i think Marvel- that was the bit where i think that was well timed because i was like i know who these people are i'm i'm accessing now yeah 
I agree. And it's nice to see, like, like we said, like Fury is like a low level desk jockey. He doesn't know anything about superheroes. I also like that he does the washing up at one point in the film. I don't know why. Just kind of enjoyed that. Oh, I've forgotten about that bit. Yeah. And he's he's quite uncertain. He's not the, the Nick Fury that we know. Uh, so Nick Fury and Coulson don't believe her alien stories at first. That's ridiculous. But then they see the aliens and the fighting and stuff. And they're like, oh, shit, aliens are real. Wow. You know what's interesting is actually I said it wasn't an origin story, but I guess it kind of is for those two. For Nick, yeah, I guess it's their origin story as opposed to hers, isn't it? Yeah. Then there's a, like a big chase scene. Um, and as a result of the chase scene, uh, Verz manages to get some extracted memories from a scroll soldier. Meanwhile, Talos is disguised as Fury's boss. Um, and he, in disguise, orders Fury to stick around Verz and sort of keep tabs on her. So that pairs them up quite nicely, I think. Um, yeah. Verz and Fury, through the ex- extracted memories that they get, they discover that Verz was actually on Earth a few years ago. And she was, she is Earth. She is human. Um, she was an Air Force pilot who has been presumed to have died. Um, and she was presumed to have died whilst working on some kind of technology with someone called Dr. Wendy Lawson, who is the woman in her dreams, the Annette Benning, and also the Supreme Intelligence Woman. They then go on to meet Verz's old best mate, Marie Rambo, who, um, who reveals even more. I feel like this character was super, was good to have her in there because she get, provides backstory and stuff. I feel like she was really underused in the film. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but... No, I quite liked her being there because... Um... She's meant to be the representation of love in the film. Yeah. Meant to sort of humanise, I guess, and also be the one who makes Carol realise that she's better than she is. You know, most person I knew even before you had glowing hands. And She's the closest they, to a love interest, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and like her daughter, Monica, mm. um, is a Captain Marvel in the comics later on. Right, I see. Egg there, I guess, for the fans. For the fans, for the comic book fans. I think that it's quite hard to write because Cap- Captain Marvel has that, or Carol Danvers, she's so powerful and so completely in control. It's it's hard to necessitate having side characters for her in the same yeah. way. Because it's like, well, what do they what does she need them for? Exactly. She could just like go and destroy everything um so i i did feel like they nick fury is quite good because he's they give him that sort of comedic um area and then also we know him so it's a good origin story but characters like marie rambo well pretty much marie rambo i feel like the writers were struggling to give her things to do after she had revealed the backstory you know what i mean yeah i guess so i quite liked I don't know. I liked what they did with their friendship because they were competitive, but they weren't pitched against one another. Like you normally get with two women in a superhero movie. They were like family friends and they were just very supportive of each other. That's a good point. And like Carol Danvers is a big person in Monica's life. Like she's sort of um, an extra mother because they don't, do they, do they reveal who the father is? They don't really talk about the father. It's just like, she's got her mom and her mom's friends and that's about it. Don't they? Have I missed, or have I missed something? No, I think you're right. I, they don't really talk about the, the father mm. at all. Which they don't need to. It's sort of one of those nice things where it's like a family is not a nuclear family sometimes. It's uh, families come in all shapes and sizes. So, yeah, I thought it's quite good. Again, I, like, the film, maybe in terms of how it used this idea, doesn't do it hugely in an entertaining way, like you're saying, that like you, you felt that she was underused. But what the idea and the representation behind it is quite cool. Yes, yes. I think it's it was good to have her in there. Um, it, I don't know, maybe maybe they could have done something to get her a bit more integral to the plot. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being picky. I am picky. Maybe. You've got to that point now where you are a Marvel expert, I guess, so you can just demand. <laughs> I can. I am very demanding in that way. And random in my feedback, I suppose. I know. You are. I'm, not, I'm always like, I just can't predict where Paul is going to go this week. I could absolutely hate Avengers Endgame. You never know. I don't think I will, though. I don't. Marie Rambo reveals that Verse's real name is Carol Danvers. And, and so... that was the tag. That, that's how she got her name, wasn't it? 
Yes, yes, that was it. Yeah, the tower. And um, but then Talos arrives and reveals that in actual fact, this is like the big twist in it. Talos arrives and reveals that in actual fact, the scrolls are refugees. They're not actually all that bad. Um, they are searching for a new home, and the Cree are basically stopping them from doing that and ruining all chance they have of happiness. In other words, the Cree are bad. The scroll are victims. Yes, which you wouldn't expect. It's all about whose perspective you're given, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it was very sort of, I think, really tied into how um, Western society, particularly the UK, are thinking about our past history, our colonial history, and the way yes. in which we um, might perceive people who are not white, not British, and how um, actually we're we we like you take say the sort of the general history of the african continent and how we sort of say oh they're like these countries are always in civil war and stuff like that well actually the reason is us um or our ancestors we colonized the place took all the resources and then left it so of course people are going to start fighting each other there because they're all we took everything from them so it's that kind yeah. i sort of connected it up to all that stuff basically which i thought was very timely yeah no, I agree. And it's like history is written by the victors and all that malarkey, isn't it? So Exactly, exactly. I did think, though, this was good. I like this storyline. I felt like it needed like a bigger reveal in it. Um, again, it was quite muted. It was quite muted. It was sort of generally explained. And you're. I wasn't, you know, it, it, again, it needed a moment. It needed a, a, a memorable moment. You know, in Spider-Man, the big twist is when he goes to the door, opens it, Michael Keaton's there. Michael Keaton's yeah. the father of his date for the prom. And it's such a good moment because everything in the plot just connects at that moment. Um, you don't see it coming at all, but also the implications of it are, are just massive, basically. And I feel like it needed a moment like that to reveal it. Spider-Man is your bar that you're holding things <laughs> up to now. <laughs> in terms of twists in the tale, yes. <laughs> that was great twist though i still remember everyone going <gasps> in the cinema when michael Keaton I, I gasped i just thought they delivered that so well um it's so good. i just love michael keaton i want him to be in more marvel films i'm sad that he's mm. in prison <laughs> i know i know yeah he's, maybe he will maybe he'll come back who knows um one day one day one day but yeah, like talos just kind of comes in and starts exp and explains it all and they don't really address the fact that um both Fury and Carol have murdered scrolls within the storyline before. No, they don't do they? They're like, oh, let's rush past that. It's all good. Yeah, they don't. They don't really address that, and and I don't know. I would have. I would have just expected bigger reactions, a bigger reveal. But I think it's a good. I think it's a good storyline anyway. I like that. I like the idea that um, you think you're the good guy, and then you realize actually you're not on the side of good. I like that. Yeah, and the bad guy is just the only reason you think they're bad is because they look different or they have a different culture to you. And yeah, it and good conversations, I guess, for children. Exactly, and it's it's all about how they talk about them in their society, just like dehumanizes them, and then and like we said, the name Scroll sounds so much less lovely than Cree because um, yeah. it suggests skull, it suggests sort of death and depravity and stuff um and actually that's our um prejudice coming through based on a word isn't it uh they also reveal that dr wendy lawson annette benning she was a renegade cree scientist who was helping the scrolls she was like the Cree are bad i want to help you i've got some technology that could help you to find a home world um and carol starts remembering things about how she was working with dr wendy um, and Yon Rog, Jude Law, was chasing after Lawson and uh, Carol in a plane. Uh, he killed Lawson to try and gain the technology that she has, but Carol attempted to destroy the technology's engine before Yon Rog gets hands on it. And in so doing, she absorbed its power, and that made her powerful, gave her all the powers and stuff. Hence why he kidnapped her and took her to the Kree Empire and somehow in the process, she lost all her memories. Yes. Pesky Jude Law. He's always a pesky causing... Pesky Jude Law, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, the good guys all find Dr. Lawson's secret lab, um, which is an invisible satellite. I love a secret lab in a story. Oh, me like, too. I wish it had access by pulling a lever and <laughs> sliding down like a twisty slide. But Like a Thunderbirds, take- Dexter's lab kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or an Yzma. Oh, yes. Yes, Paul, the lever crunk. Yeah. And on the satellite is also Talos's family and some other scrolls who have been hiding on board, basically. And they've been kept safe by the lovely Dr. Wendy. The power source. And we also discovered that the power source of Lawson's tech is dun, 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 the Tesseract. Woo! Yeah. That's a little little thing that if you had only watched this film, you'd have no idea what it was. <laughs> They'd be talking about the Tesseract like you're supposed to know it. And yeah, exactly. Um, but I think they can assume by now you've seen other film, other films in the process. You'd hope so, right? Although it mm. could be like one person. Like, I know a lot of people who didn't like superhero movies went to see Wonder Woman, for example. But maybe people who mm. haven't been in the superhero universe saw Wonder Woman decide they liked it and were like oh Captain Marvel another woman I'll go see that and they might have been like what the hell is this Tesseract thing possibly yeah because the DC universe is not quite as big and complicated there's not there's not quite so much crossovers is there I suppose what MCU needs now in their films is they they need every time something comes up that we've seen before they need a little cross reference to pop up like a little caption a a little footnote like in Terry Pratchett books (laughs) yeah footnote yeah (laughs) we should start a mind map for you yeah, I know. It's <laughs> it's like the meme from, is it from Always oh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia where the guy's in front of the big board of all the <laughs> and he's and he's trying to explain it all. His hair's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, well, well I'm like trying to explain it to you. I don't know who I would... <laughs> you, yeah. By the end of a podcast episode, your hair's all over the place. <laughs> oh, this is where we are. <laughs> Danvers, Carol. I'm gonna call her Carol. I feel like I can call her Carol. Like I know her. We've got point in our relationship. I think that's fine. Carol is captured by Yonrog and his people. Um, this was another thing about the reveal. So before we find out that the Kree are bad, um, the whole gang, like um, Yonrog, Jude Law, along with um, the other, all the other ones, they're like they've got like the sort of Guardians of the Galaxy style banter. Like it's they're kind of friendly and nice and fun and stuff. Um, and then when the, after it's revealed, they suddenly are like snarling and they're so mean and so cruel. And I feel like that sudden change, that's, I don't know. I feel like that could have been done in a way like, um, like we suddenly perceive them differently rather than them actually changing. Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's quite interesting. Yeah, like more, more, more of the nuance that we've come to expect from the film so far. Yeah, like there was one bit, which I really liked, you know, the big chase um where when she first lands on earth she meets nick fury and colson and there's like a chase and um she's chasing after a scroll the scroll person runs onto the train but moves out the way of this old lady coming off the train and he like nods and smiles to her and goes on the train then when carol goes up she bumps into the old lady and rolls her eyes and it's like ugh, like proper london way and then gets onto the train and i remember thinking oh that's interesting and then later on when the twist happened i thought about that and was like and thought ah there was these little hints actually but not as not as much as i would have hoped maybe i don't know eye rolling is a very london trait actually you're so right anyone listening who's never been to london if you were to go through a ticket barrier and stop on a london underground you are upsetting so many londoners and you're going to get a lot of tuts tuts and sighs and like mutterings under breath if and someone's passive aggressive angry. shoulder nudges yeah no one will say don't stop they'll go oh. <laughs> so so much ice in that one breath because <laughs> everyone's so unhappy to be there <laughs> in the first place um, anyway, yeah, Carol is captured by Yon Rog and his people. She removes the implant that's on her that's been stopping her from using her powers. And to paraphrase Russell Crowe in Gladiator, she unleashes hell. Because she's what she's realised is that she's been told by Jude Law and by Supreme Intelligence, you must control your power, you must keep it under wraps, you cannot control it, it's too much for you. In actual fact, she can control every bit of her power. She can, she can just do it. She doesn't need to learn. She's just got it. She's got it. Right in the palm of her hand, quite literally. He does. Just stop listening to everything he said, like, listen to your head over your heart and vice versa. All that bollocks, yeah. Um, yeah so she, she can fight them really, really well. Yeah, she just needs the strength to get back up and try again and blaze that trail. 
That was what I liked was that it showed, I loved that bit where it showed all her little flashbacks, all the bits in her life where she's failed and people have suggested that she should never have tried in the first place. And she's perceived as not being as able as men and stuff. And then you've got her standing up in the different age periods um, in a really powerful way. And I thought that was just, that was what I thought was the film's biggest strength was how it dealt with that. Um, And I just, just thought every little girl watching this who has been fed the image of girlhood as being delicate and demure is just going to fucking love it. Yeah, it was a big thing on Twitter at the time. Everyone was like, this is the most beautiful bit of the movie. I, I, I really liked it. I thought it was, although not one of the strongest movies, that was one of the strongest moments, I think, in the films yeah. overall. Um, the Tesseract is swallowed by um, Lawson's cat, who's a flurkin called Goose. <laughs> When they say, I mean, oh, it's a flurkin, I was like, am I supposed to know what a flurkin is? And then I don't think I was supposed to know, so it was fine. I think it's just a funny word. Well, it's not, but it, it can just be a funny word, can't it? You know what's Apparently even funnier so- word is goose. Goose is a hilarious word. You do love a goose, don't I you? I do love a goose. Goose, yeah. I was going to say, like, he, apparently Samuel Jackson improvised his line, mother flurkin. Oh, really? Oh, he's so clever. He is, isn't he? Look at it. <laughs> it's hilarious. I think he could improvise anything and they'll be like, let's just keep it in. Why not? I mean, man is just charisma on legs, isn't he? He is. He could definitely talk me into doing anything, to be honest. I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure, Sam. That seems legit. I will do it. I do, yeah. If- he could He could tell me the earth is flat and I go, oh, interesting point. Yeah. yeah he used to do those crazy adverts for like a bank. Do you remember that? He did do adverts for a bank, didn't he? Yeah. How on he, earth did they, could they afford him? Right? He used to just walk and talk, and it was about three little pigs. It was like three little pigs. And then it, it was that like, was just it. yes. Those adverts. And I was like, nowhere near a banking age. But I remember I used to be like, I want to do it. I want to do what he's telling me to do. <laughs> I want to be, I'm, I'm like, this man was in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. This man was in Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> yeah the only man who could have made that work oh and the cat also scratches his eye and blinds him and he's like it's fine and it's not fine that's how he lost his eye or lost use of his eye anyway and danvers then single-handedly destroys a cree ship and the cree retreats and they run away and then there's this beautiful scene where yonrog finally realizes he's been defeated but will not step down so he then puts his laser thingy down and is like right fight me with your bare fists come on prove yourself to me prove to me that you don't need your powers and she just zaps him and says i have nothing to prove to you and you're like yay that was basically the basis for my entire review was like those words some like the best bit of the whole movie yeah and i think it it emphasizes the movie as a whole is that it's not looking to prove anything it just wants to make a film yeah, it does. It's like a message to all those people who downvoted it before it came out and mm. had a opinion on what a female superhero should look like and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so it's a happy ending. Um, Carol decides to leave Earth with the scrolls to find a new home world for them and help them out with that. But she leaves a pager with Fury, a modified pager because it's 90s, um, to contact her in an emergency. Which, of course, he does do, which we saw in, Infinity, in Avengers Infinity War, is that everyone's being disappeared by uh, Thanos, so he contacts her. <gasps> mm. So, yeah, there's a mid credit scene where um, we've got Black Widow, Bruce Banner and Captain America all looking at the pager. And they're like, what is this pager doing? Who is it calling? We don't know. And they're all looking a little bit broken and depressed and stuff. Um, and then suddenly Carol turns up and she's like, where is Nick Fury? And then it ends there. And I thought that was so good. That was so well done. It's so good. And also you're like, oh, they don't know how she knows Fury and she doesn't know how they know Fury. And none of them know that they're superheroes. It's so, so much fun because she's the first one he's met. So she doesn't know there's other, other heroes. Exactly. And I love that Nick Fury's never mentioned her. But then it's kind of believable because you get the impression that he just has loads and loads and loads of superheroes on his books. Mm. Um, oh and you see him starting the first document about the avengers and what does he call it the the oh he changes the the word to avengers because it was on her plane um yes i can't remember what the first word was now um 
but it was something quite lame. It was like the returners, or so, I don't know. Um, all the powers, the super, the powers, the power. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. And it was it was nice to have like that little tight. That was like the funny bit that just ties it in and reminds you how in the comic she was one of the earliest superheroes. How she inspired everyone that came after her, mm. like Michael Peace in the puzzle. So yeah, it's not gonna. She might not prove her worth to the cesspit of sexist trolls, but it's not made for them. And it will, you know, it's made for people who believe in equality of sexes and want to see women and girls reflected on screen in a nice way. And also just... And it, it just did such a good job of gearing up for Endgame because um, now, now I'm like, oh, how is she going to save the day, basically? I feel like they've geared her up to be the saviour of everything now. Um, they do, don't oh my god Thanos is in big trouble but you're also like but how because she's not like his level powerful so you, you kind of want to see how it all slots together yeah yeah exactly what what is her contribution going to be here um yeah 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 very excited about very excited and then there's a post-credit scene where the where Goose the cat um or the flurkin vomits up the tesseract onto Nick Fury's desk so you get a little backstory to the tesseract and that's quite fun too yeah, and the fact that it's been for a cat's digestive system is quite fun because you would never expect that the first time you see it. That is something that Marvel does quite well is the slight irreverence of it. Like you expect, like you even to even now after 20, 20 films, I'm still expecting it to be very sort of here is the Tesseract, but instead you see it get vomited out by a cat, and I think that's just really fun. I like how they just obliterate your expectations a bit there. That's why I prefer it to DC because I feel like DC is very heavy-handed and very like, ooh, here is the weighty expectation of what the audience wants, good versus evil, black and white. And, and nothing. D- DC is so hallowed and reverential and yet they don't have much connection with the real world. Very lofty, I feel. Whereas Lofty. Marvel's- what would you give Captain Marvel out of five? I think a good solid three, 3.5. Like it's it's very entertaining it's just not like the most memorable in the world, but I like I I liked it. I didn't. There's nothing to really dislike about it. It's just it's pretty good, yeah. Great, and I I think it fits in well with the, the same level of the the original first Avengers's films like Iron Man, the first the first Captain America, yeah, the first four films. Like they're all that sort of same level. They've not been our top favorites because they have to introduce these characters in these worlds. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I've actually so in preparation for the end of phase three, which we are starting to approach now. <gasps> um, I know. Um, I've actually changed my ranking a little bit. Would you like to hear about this? I would. You know, what did you? I said no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, I would love to hear your ranking. Because in the past, I've done like I've got my top three, and then I've had like upper le- upper tier, middle tier, lower tier, and stuff. But I've actually decided to properly rank them from so so far. I've I've decided to discount for now Avengers Avengers Infinity War because I think I'm going to put Infinity War and Endgame together as one film because I feel like it I is just... one film. Yeah. Um, so that's they're not in it, which means there's twenty films now. Can you believe it's been twenty films by this point? That's crazy. But it feels like more because how many TV shows have we done as well? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like it was less, but there you go. Anyway, um, which one do you think is number twenty? Oh my goodness! Okay, for the worst film for you, my least favorite. Yeah, I think my brain just broke. Captain America, first one. Yeah, it is. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't like, like it. <laughs> um, then number nineteen, I put Incredible Hulk. Um, Number 18 oh, yeah. is Civil War, Captain America Civil War, because I didn't really like that one either, personally. You just did Captain America. Which you? is weird because the other Captain America film is a lot higher. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, number 17, I put the first Iron Man. Didn't dislike it, just very generic. That's all. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Number 16, I put the second Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, number 15, <laughs> Iron Man 3. 14, I put the first Thor film. And then I put mm-hmm. Captain Marvel as number 13 for me. She's personally. done pretty well. Those others. I think so, yeah. Doctor Strange is number 12. And then number oh. 11 is Ant-Man and the Wasp. So we're getting into those films where I'm like, I liked it. It was really entertaining. But I'm if I never watch it again, I'll live, basically. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Good way of looking at it. Um, number 10 
I don't know if it's controversial that I put this relatively high, but it's Thor The Dark World, because I did actually quite like it. Do you remember? Special, and that's where I was laughing to myself for a while. I would probably put that underneath Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange. Would you? Okay. I just I also put Doctor Strange just underneath Captain Marvel, but that's only because he's such an unlikable character. Mm, that's true. That's true. Um, and according to Twitter, likability is very important when ranking things. Oh, completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> Number nine, I put Avengers Age of Ultron. And mm. number eight is Iron Man 2. Um, yeah, number eight, Iron Man 2. Number seven, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Good choice. And now we're getting into my favourite ones. So number six, I decided to put Thor Ragnarok. Um, I'd put I, that higher, but you know I love Ragnarok. You love it, yeah, yeah. But I put, I think my, my choices of higher than that are not, that controversial so number five i put spider-man homecoming because i did like that very yeah. much it's amazing it's great it yeah number four i put ant-man i think i only put it slightly high because i talked about how spider-man is like for younger people whereas i feel like ant-man i can get behind a bit more <laughs> yeah. he's a cutie number three i put black panther um number two is captain america the winter soldier which is crazy because the other two are like right at the bottom I know you normally hate him. He's climbed the ranks. And then number one is the first Avengers film. It is a lot of fun. That one does a lot of, it just ticks all the right boxes, doesn't it? It really does. It really, really does. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's sort of number 13 in my list of 20, Captain Marvel. And that's where it's where I thought I'd put it. That's pretty good. It was introduced, introduced, released on International Women's Day, just as a nice context and the do you remember i said my dvd my, my quote for the trailer I oh yeah what was quote. your quote what was your quote yeah, it takes us higher further and faster i took a quote from the film they love it when you do <laughs> harder better faster stronger yeah yeah that's what i did that's, that's a good quote you're such a good writer that's what i do you know i haven't done it for a while but <laughs> Would you like me to quiz you? Let's quiz. We haven't had a Kaylee quiz in a while. Do, 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 do. Okay. Number one. What do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Okay. So you said it got lower than you'd expect. I'm going to go about 70%. Okay. No, it got 79 in the end. But originally right. it, had, it had a lot lower because of all those down votes. Mm. It, down the, but, you know what? Let's dismantle the patriarchy. Just saying. No. Yeah, I think we need to. Um, <laughs> so how do you think Brie Larson prepared for her role? Oh, um, did she visit any Air Force bases or anything like that and meet people? She did. She met. She visited Dallas Air Force Base and met with active duty airmen, including Brigadier General Jeannie Levitch and Thunderbirds pilot Major Stephen Cajun Del Bagno. Hmm died actually just after she met with him and they paid tribute to him in the credits but, oh, um, nice. yeah so she did that she also trained for four hours a day for nine months so she did judo boxing wrestling a bit of weights um and the airmen she met gave her the call sign sparrow which i thought was quite cute sparrow yes nice right but um you know that was one of the things that people really didn't like either was she talked about how she did her own you know her own stunts and things Mm. And in in the interview, I think I think Chris Hemsworth was there, or was it, or was it the Hawkeye Jeremy Renner? One of them said like, "Oh, got ourselves a regular Tom Cruise here," and that's where everyone decided that they all hate her. <laughs> and I was like, "It just seems like banter to me, but maybe I'm wrong." People are silly. People are silly. They are quite silly, aren't they? And also, they they got the whole what's it called? Where a woman's superpowered, like the Mary Sue, Mary Jane, Mary Sue. I don't know what that means. Oh, it's like when a woman is just too good at everything, so they call her a Mary Sue, and apparently it means there's no jeopardy, and it's not very fun. Oh, they've got a name. They've got an insulting name for all things, haven't they? They really do, don't they? Mm. Little monsters. Okay. Can you guess how many people throughout the history of Marvel Comics have taken the name Captain Marvel? Oh, it's is it like a sort of Black Panther thing where it's got passed down between people then? Mm. You know, there's always multiples of everything. There's like multiple Captain Americas, everyone's got yeah. 
five. It's eight, actually, eight. and three of them this, uh, in this movie because we got Carol Danvers, mm-hmm. who was uh, Ms. Marvel for one at one point. Uh, we got Marvel, which is the original version, which is like a Cree alien superhero, and Monica Rambeau, who oh. um, Marvel at one point later. That's nice. And then, as I said, there's the Marvels film coming out later. There was a there's a Muslim Marvel Miss Marvel Ms. Marvel coming up. Ms. Marvel. I like that. Yeah, it's cool, right? So it's one of those like nice titles that's it means a lot to lots of different people, I'd say, because mm. you can fall in many of the Captain Marvels. Who was the original then? The original Captain Marvel was it originally? The original. It was no Marvel. I think was a man actually. Of course, I was wondering if if that was the case. Um, I don't. Yeah. But there, there have been women. Captain Marvels then it's not like something the film decided to just change completely no 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 there's been many women Captain Marvels good it was actually also a DC actually have their own Captain Marvel character too um Mm. but they've they lost the lawsuit I think it was so they they had to rename their character Shazam oh I love Shazam that was the only DC film I liked (laughs) it's fun isn't it I really enjoyed that one too um yeah so there's there's that Facts for you. Facts galore. Facts, facts, um, facts. What do you think Captain Marvel's cat is named in the comic books? Oh, um, duck. I don't know. Now, I'll give you a clue. So, like, this is obviously the 90s, so they're looking at something from the 80s. So they're looking for a character from the 70s that they named their cat after in the comics. Oh, a character from the 70s. Mm, no idea. Danger Mouse. It's Chewy after Chewbacca. Oh, of course, silly me. Yeah. And um, but in the in the film, it's Goose, obviously, and Goose is played by four different professional cat actors. Who professional are named cat actors? Did they go to cat <laughs> school? I assume so. Um, yeah, Reggie, Gonzo, Archie, and Rizzo. And it's worth noting that Brie Larson is allergic to cats, so all of her scenes involving Goose were filmed with a puppet or CGI. Nice, nice. I also love that all the cat names sound like the pink ladies in Greece. They do, yeah. It was the Rizzo, wasn't it? That's it was the Rizzo, it was. yeah. But the, like all the others, I'm like, yeah, they could be that. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we've got one last question because I have... Because you've told me too many things. <laughs> no, I've got two questions. Okay. What does Project Pegasus stand for? It's been mentioned before. Project Pegasus? Yes. What does it stand for? Yes, this is what I think you were talking about before with the Avengers. Like, that's what he renamed. That was the original word. It was Project Pegasus then becomes the Avengers thing. Yeah, the Avengers Initiative was originally ah, project. But there was a word he put in. It was the something initiative and he deleted that and put in Avengers. Pegasus Initiative. No, it Pegasus. wasn't. It was a word like Avengers. It wasn't Pegasus. It was something like, like the, the, I don't know, the Retributors or something. I don't know. Um, the saviors. I... Do you want an example? Yeah, go on, Pegasus. tell me. Potential energy group, alternate sources, United States. That is so uncatchy. It is, isn't it? But I guess that's why they, they... I wonder sometimes if they come up with the acronym first and then find the words to fit around it. They must do. With S.H.I.E.L.D., Hydra, all of that stuff, they must do. Yeah. And then I guess my last question, the classic, where was Stan Lee? Where was Stanley? Now I remember. And it, am I right in saying this was his last cameo? It's well, he died while the film was being edited, but he had filmed a couple of cameos in advance. Okay, because when I watched it, the logo at the front uh, before it, the Marvel logo, was just all Stanley, and then they had in memory of Stanley. So maybe this was the last one released, the first one released after he died. In that case, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. passed away while the film was being edited, so that's why they did that big logo. Yeah. Oh, where was he? Was he on the on the train during that tra- chase bit? Yes, he's around thirty minutes in, mm. and you'll see him reading a script for Kevin Smith's Small Rats, which was a nineteen ninety five film, and he's saying the line "Trust me, true believer," but um, that's because his health was in decline, so he couldn't really, you know, get his normal Stanley energy up. So they used his unused audio from that film. Ah, I see. Okay. But yeah, he has filmed a couple of other cameos, so you will still see him 
in the Marvel Universe. So that question is still going to haunt me for a little bit. Yeah, a little bit longer. Sorry. <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> but that's the quiz. Well done. Mm, fantastic. Fantastic. Clap, 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 clap. Okay, what is next? What is it? Oh, yes, we are doing one more TV series. And then after that is Endgame. Ah! Watch it together. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're getting so close now. But we got to do an episode on Cloak and Dagger. And we decided to put both seasons together um, so we can get to Endgame quicker, basically. <laughs> yeah, a lot of time. We need to get there. So, yes, we'll speed through Cloak and Dagger. We'll talk about it in the podcast. And then we can watch Endgame. And I want to see your mind blown by Endgame. I'm actually going to be like, you know, when people watch Game of Friends and someone's not seen The Red Wedding before. And you're like, you're going to be looking at me and not at the screen, aren't you? I'll be like, What's he gonna say? Imagine if he hates you. I'll be so disappointed. I might hate it on purpose just to annoy you. Just be sitting there yawning, fall asleep at one point. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you miserable little shit. Let's That's see. What... We're getting close. We're getting close to it. Bring it. You've been listening to an episode of the Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune into the next fact-filled episode.